2: With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the yogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien.
3: Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a familiar word to many people today, but some associate it only with exercise. Yoga is actually a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity. The bringing together, bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature, to be restored to our original wholeness. Beyond the stretching and poses that many identify with yoga, it's actually a wider system including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious fulfilled living in today's world. And today our topic is, is optimal health possible for you? What factors are essential for optimizing our health? What connections are there between our digestive health and other symptoms such as headache and fatigue? We're going to be exploring how Ayurveda and conventional medicine can work together to help us discover and address the underlying causes of our dis-ease instead of just treating our symptoms. We'll learn how digestion holds the key to living a balanced, at-ease, optimally healthy and vibrant life. Today my guest is Dr. Trupti Gokani, MD, award-winning board-certified neurologist best known for her innovative and integrative approach to treating headache pain and author of the book, The Mysterious Mind, How to Use Ancient Wisdom and Modern Science to Heal Your Headaches and Reclaim Your Health. She's the founder of the Zira Mind and Body Center in Chicago, Illinois, which uses an integrative Ayurvedic approach to medicine. You can learn more about her work at ZiraMindAndBody.com. That's Z-I-R-A MindAndBody.com. Welcome, Dr. Tripti Gokhani. I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Before we begin to enter into that conversation about optimal health, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Let's begin by bringing our attention to the present moment, right where we are right now. We can use our breath to help us bring our awareness to the present, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. So let's start by taking a fully conscious breath, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Not trying to change our breath, just noticing its natural flow. Cool air entering the nostrils, and warm air flowing out. In this moment, we can dive within and open our heart to the divine. One reality, called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here and now, this divine essence is present. As you, as me, as everyone and everything. It's within us, between us, and all around us. Just by being present now and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words or thoughts, beyond all change, beyond sensation, pure existence being we feel the peace that emanates from the essence of our being we allow it to pervade the mental field the emotional nature and the physical body we abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Aum. Once again, Dr. Tripti Gokhani, welcome to the Yoga Hour. So I know you were originally trained in Western medicine as a neurologist and subsequently studied Ayurvedic medicine. So how did you become interested in Ayurveda?
4: So for me, my journey was quite unique. You know, when I started my practice initially, I thought back to my years in training. And early on in my first year of medical school, I actually struggled with insomnia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I grew up in Chicago. And so to me, All I knew was the Western world, even though I'm an Indian woman of Indian descent. I was born in East Africa and came over here at a very young age. Mm. And I grew up, you know, in this very Western kind of society. So as I struggled with the insomnia in my first year of medical school, I started seeing Western practitioners. And one of the first medications I was given was Ambien to help me Mm. sleep. And... Unfortunately, I got into a car accident and thankfully survived, but it was a very kind of traumatic car accident and came out of that and said, "Wait a second, I don't know if I want to be on this medication you know yeah and lo and behold, I saw more practitioners, again, in the Western world and was offered meds like Prozac, and I said, I'm not depressed. I just can't sleep, (laughs) you know, and I myself started doing some soul searching and went to the bookstores and read books on Ayurveda and stumbled across Perfect Health by Deepak Chopra and started learning about Ayurveda then. And here I was, you know, in my early training in medical school, learning about Ayurveda without really knowing fully what it was because I wasn't exposed to that. Mm-hmm. So it was only after I finished residency, because I had told myself early on, I'm going to make sure at some point in my life I really study this, it was after residency, after I started my first practice in neurology, that I went and got certified and trained in Ayurvedic medicine. So mm-hmm. it was based on my personal experience that kind of led me into this world, because I thought I had to learn more about it and study this.
3: Right. No, I, <clears throat> I, uh, I uh, can totally relate. Um, in addition to headaches, one of the other common symptoms you describe in your book is fatigue, and in my years practicing general internal medicine, mm. I was really struck by how often patients would present complaining of fatigue. It, it's just, I think it's mm. actually after physicals, I think it's the number one reason people go to see their doctor. Yeah, uh, fatigue, and, and actually malaise is the other you know piece of it, so malaise just means feeling bad. So mm. people would come in, and that would be their complaint, you know, that basically, I just don't feel well, I'm tired and I just don't feel well. Yet all the lab tests that I would order would be normal. So this was always kind of reassuring to patients, but also a bit frustrating because people still didn't feel well, and I didn't have much to offer them from a Western perspective. So that, again, turned us back to Ayurveda. So Ayurveda views all disease including fatigue and headache is arising from an imbalance as the root cause. And in your practice today, as you've mentioned, you integrate both Western medicine and Ayurveda. So how have you found the Ayurvedic approach of trying to restore balance helpful in your practice? I still relate
4: to what you're saying because quite honestly, when
3: I first started studying, you know,
4: Ayurvedic medicine, I was I was somewhat overwhelmed by the idea that there's a whole system that leads to the manifestation of a disease process. Remembering that, you know, I came out of, you know, neurology training as a board-certified neurologist, knowing all I could about the brain and the mind and thought, I kind of knew enough to really practice and understand every symptom that came walking, you know, kind of in the door. And what I found was that fatigue and malaise and feeling unwell and feeling not at ease was such a common complaint along with the headache. And what I found with Ayurveda was that it gave me this system to understand it from this much bigger model and one of the things i discovered was how common it was in my patient population that they had this adrenal fatigue that this weakening kind of of that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal circuit that was happening over years and years because of their stress and ayurveda was one of the few systems that i found that addressed stress and address the mind in a very unique way. So one of the most humbling things I learned early on was that when I went to one of my first first conferences in integrative medicine, I was going around saying that I was a specialist in headaches and I focused on migraine pain. And what someone told me was that migraine is a manifestation of many systems gone wrong. And are you to help me see that, that it's a link between digestion, stress, your emotions, your detoxification pathways. And it's not just one simple system that's gone wrong. So fatigue now, to me, I look at it and say, ah, that's a manifestation of something in your system that has become imbalanced, and it's for me to help you dig to where that is and come to a conclusion and give you a protocol to follow. And, and thus, those lab tests that we try to order and figure it out by the lab testing are are just too simple. There's a much more elegance to how to figure this out using the Ayurvedic model. So it gave me that entire approach of how to do that, you know?
3: Yeah, no, that's great. And and speaking of that, you know, I really wanted to turn to what I really uh, one of one of the many things I really appreciated about your book, The Mysterious Mind, um the six stages of disease from an ayurvedic perspective that you go through. Um because to me this sets it, it totally explains how someone can feel fatigue and malaise and yet all the lab tests would be normal. Because yeah. The, the body is such an amazing, has such an amazing ability to adjust itself, has this incredible homeostatic, you know, kind of a process where it keeps the lab tests really normal mm-hmm. until really yeah. late in the, you know, in the disease process. So let's just turn to that. So can you run through, um, just briefly the, you know, the six stages of disease and talk about, you know, when you might actually find something you know, f- from a medical, a Western medical perspective. Absolutely. And this is, you're right, fascinating, because when I learned this, then it
4: answered that question of why were those lab tests all normal for these patients that are coming and complaining of symptoms? So right. within these six stages, you know, stage one is the stage of accumulation. And the concept here is that as we live life, and often we're not so connected with our authentic natural doshic birth state, because many of us aren't aware of that state, just simply because we're not trained in our early on, we live a life uh, that kind of drives us, that we feel drives us to be happy and fulfilled. And so we take on jobs, we take on relationships, we eat certain foods that make us, you know, fulfilled at that moment in time without really being in alignment with our true authentic state. So for PIPA types, we decide to go maybe to law school. We love that idea of going to, <laughs> isn't that one of the most PIPA-inducing, <laughs> I have to say, in attracting fields. Right? Right. So so going into law school may be wonderful for the pitta natured individual that's detailed and organized. But as they go to court and go to trial and start arguing and fighting more, they may realize they start getting some subtle symptoms of heartburn. So the accumulation stage is that idea that when we live in a state where we're almost overdriving that doshic energy, it starts to show up and may show up so subtly that we don't even realize it as a problem. We think that's just it's okay once in a while to have a little bit of digestive distress, a little heartburn, a little bit of, you know, maybe some rashes here and there on the body. And we would never think to see a doctor at that stage. And so that's the accumulation stage, that initial kind of, uh, depending on that doshic nature, if it's a Pitta energy, it will go to the Pitta organs or the Pitta places in the body, maybe the eyes, it may be red eyes, it may be the skin, red skin, it may be the the stomach, getting a little nausea, reflux. And it's very early and very, very mild, and so we kind of move on and say, okay, we'll just, you know, maybe not have that cheeseburger at 8 o'clock at night, and that was just <laughs> <it>, you know? <laughs> and if that continues on, so we move from accumulation stage 1 to aggravation stage 2, and this is when the symptoms become a little bit more bothersome. So, here we are, that same, we'll think of the attorney that's now having a lot of client dinners at nighttime and eating heavy meals and drinking wine and staying up late, and the Heartburn isn't just uh, once uh, every six months it's happening, once every month, and now it's starting to happen weekly. So there's an accumulation, and it's still located in that same initial seat, that initial initial location, be it the stomach or the skin or the eyes, which is the home of that specific dosha. For vata individuals, it may be the colon. And for kaphas, it may be the chest and, and you know, kind of different regions, upper high. And so we start to see the imbalance collect in that seat and it gets a little bit more prominent and then stage 3 happens when we haven't gone to um, a degree of, of trying to relieve the symptoms by making lifestyle shifts or seeing the ayurvedic clinician or seeing the massage therapist to work on the stress and we allow the symptoms to progressively worsen because we're not actively doing anything to help the symptoms and so the symptoms actually worsen and we get to dissemination which is unfortunate because there's a movement from the symptoms within the initial seat, the initial location, and it disseminates into different parts of the body that are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So maybe that, nausea that was originally kind of coming from the intestines and the stomach area is now leading to a little bit of swelling in the right knee. And so there's Mm -hmm. dissemination to another part of the body. And usually that's where the shrotas are a little bit kind of weaker or there's maybe some ama and some collection of toxin in that area. So you start to see it disseminate to the other part of the body. And here at this point, we probably still haven't seen the doctor yet, you know.
3: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or or maybe you would. Right, or maybe, maybe. You would at this point, you know, because now you've got two things going on. Now you've got maybe reflux and and knee pain right and you and i both know what happens
4: when when you see the western medical professional at this stage because they're doing the best that they can of course sure. I, I, I was in that world for a while right you with the tools you have you may say oh my friend you have reflux you know they may say work on your stress but here's a proton pump inhibitor here's an acid blocking medication to right. take right when you and i both know that's that's not the best way to go, Ayurvedically, because that's only putting a bandaid on the the cause of the disease process. Really, it's that, right. that understanding that we're living an imbalanced life. So here we move on from dissemination, and then you know we move on to localization, which is stage four. In a localization, this actually because the the seat that original location that energy has moved to a different location, we have now energy that's kind of localized into a different part of the body. So be it the knee, now the knee starts to get more inflamed and creates pain and yes, those doctor visits may start happening here because that, pee- that pain in the knee may disable the person from playing tennis or doing something they enjoy doing. Right. So they ask right. for, hey, can you help me here? I'm having knee pain. What can I do? And this, again, is where the Western medical doctor is doing the best that they can. They say, how about you take some naproxen or you take an anti-inflammatory medication? Right. And if we understand Ayurvedically, this started in the gut. This started in the digestive system. And if you're going to take that, you and I both know that that's not the best thing to do because it it can only create more disharmony in the gut. The original cause of the discomfort and this pain in the knee was because of digestive distress. And taking that naproxen may worsen that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Go we've got go about, another, about another minute. So just to go sure. through the last two stages, um, sure. and I would just point out that all this talking we've been doing about the first four stages, from a Western medical perspective, the lab tests are still all normal at this point. You know, So Absolutely. let's just go into stage 5 and 6. So 5 and 6
4: are manifestation and disruption. So manifestation is really when Western medical tests start to show imbalance. You start to see abnormalities in glucose levels and cholesterol levels, and you start to see clinical features that become more pervasive. And disruption is truly when that knee pain becomes much more chronic. It's when chronic disease starts to happen, and this is when most people come in, really come in seriously to see a doctor. And unfortunately, at this stage, there's a lot more work that needs to be done.
3: Right. Right, and in mm-hmm. the last stage, the disruption,
4: is that? Yeah, that, that's yes. really the chronic, chronic part of that disease stage where that intermittent symptom becomes much more embedded in the tissue and you start to get more chronic. So for my headache patient, they started getting tension headaches, went to once in a while tension, to more daily tension, to now severe migraines, and I need medication
3: for these migraines because I can't function. Right, that's exactly. the stage. It, so it I really wanted into, to... I really wanted to take some time to go over that because I think it's really a gift from Ayurveda, you know, this way of viewing the way that does that symptoms, you know, develop and worsen and, you know, and, um, uh, why don't we go to the break now, and then when we come back, um, we'll touch back on how Ayurveda may help at the various stages. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with guest Dr. Trupti Gokani, award-winning board-certified neurologist, best known for her innovative and integrative approach to treating headache pain, and author of The Mysterious Mind, How to Use Ancient Wisdom and Modern Science to Heal Your Headaches and Reclaim Your Health. You can find out more about her work at the website ZiraMindAndBody.com. That's Z-I-R-A MindAndBody.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at YogaHour at Unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. Please stay with us. We'll be right back.
5: The Voice of an Awakening World.
2: You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour.
3: Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by Dr. Trupti Gokani, founder of the Zira Mind and Body Center, which uses an integrative Ayurvedic approach to medicine and is located in Chicago, Illinois. Again, the website is zira, Z-I-R-A, mindandbody.com. So, Trupti, um, Raijean Davis, who's a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, tells us in his book, An Easy Guide to Ayurveda, The Natural Way to Wholeness, while knowledge of symptoms is necessary, of primary importance is to know the basic mind-body constitution of the person being examined. While the When the mind and body constitution is restored to balance, optimum psychological and physical health can be established and maintained. So, these mind Body constitutions that he's referring to um, as our natural state; these are called doshas in Ayurveda. So, and and for people who are um, you know familiar, just briefly. So, there's you know Vata, Pitta, and Kapha are the three doshas. So, how do you use a person's dosha in your practice?
4: So, I, I couldn't agree more with that beautiful statement. And the reality of practice is that what I found is the more I can get patients to connect, to just go in and connect, the outcomes that we receive at the center are just outstanding, and and RUVEB has helped me do that because starting with that initial consultation, even before the initial consultation as the patient's waiting to get in for their appointment, we have them explore a little bit, and we have them do a dosha quiz and really tap into who they are, and as you realize, and I think many out there that are listening that realize when you have this exploration with yourself, the truth of the matter is if you're having symptoms, if you're uh, you know, suffering with certain complaints, be it headaches and body pain and digestive issues, it's really hard to connect with your authentic, ideal, optimal state simply because right. you're feeling imbalanced, right? So right. having that quiz taken and having people explore a little bit and get a sense of where they are now and where they'd like to be, where's that ideal state for them, truly helps that first visit and helps people give themselves a, 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 a sense of understanding where they need to go because there's so much we can do in Ayurveda to help them get better. So the dosha give is the first part of the analysis, and then part two is creating a protocol that's right for that individual.
3: Right, which is so, on. which is so individual. I mean, that's the Absolutely. other thing about you know Ayurveda is there. There, although there are general you know recommendations for the doshic types, there's also an individual you know component. Um, so, so uh, these are described. The doshas are described as both mind and body uh, states. So, what connection do you see between the interplay of our body's well-being and our emotions?
4: So when I first started studying Ayurveda for migraine, I'd studied it for myself and my insomnia. But when I started studying it for migraine, it was actually after attending the Nama meeting in Chicago and hearing Vasant Law discuss migraine as a spiritual intervention from God. You know that these mm-hmm. attacks of pain are truly this this intervention from above to let you know that you're disconnected with yourself, your physical body, and your emotional body. And what was so beautiful about that was this idea that. Ah, there's, there's this emotional component that is being addressed, and it's not psychiatric, and it's not psychosomatic, as the Western doctors like to say. It's truly an emotional struggle with understanding what your purpose is and who you are, right? And what are you that allows you to do is explore that in a very healthy way. Am I feeling stressed? Am I feeling frustrated? Am I unhappy with my life? Am, am I living in the right place of the country, you know? Um, do I feel anxious about somebody or something? thing in my life. And it allows us to explore and get to the root of the pain without being labeled as psychiatric. And I think that, to me, really shifted my practice because Mm -hmm. people felt like uncomfortable discussing their anxiety with me because they thought I was going to give them Lexapro, you know? (laughs) right? (laughs) Right? And Ayurveda allows you to have that conversation. So you know what? It's part of that Vata Dosha imbalance. If you're excitable, you're feeling a little bit too much of that air and space element, you may feel a little restless, a little bit windy in your head and feel ungrounded and anxious at times, and that may lead to gas and bloating and constipation, and that may lead to tension headaches, but that's okay, because it's all connected together. So uh, I really explore that at the first visit, and doing the dosha quiz and getting people to like read the book, mysterious mind book a little bit and read about themselves gives them that ability to kind of ground and connect before they come in, so then mm-hmm. we can start that exploration in a very healthy, positive way, and not in a negative way, where they think they get medicated, you know? It's beautiful
3: right absolutely and and uh, um, one of the other things that I do appreciate which you 've touched on is the holistic nature you know of of Ayurveda mm-hmm. that it really doesn 't split. Um, you know, people into, you know, mind and body. And obviously, you know, I, I have yet to have just a head come in to see me. It was really the whole body <laughs> that came in to see me as a physician, you know. So yeah. um, so, so oftentimes people do, you know, do um come into you with headaches. You've got a headache clinic. So sure. in addition to a person's individual dosha, you also look at the characteristics of the headache itself to determine a course of treatment. And in your book, you really lay out the different types of headache that you might see in vata pitta and kapha individuals so so can you just discuss that a little bit what type of headache do you see in these different doshas and how does that affect your treatment
4: yeah, and it was fascinating to me as I as I learned the Ayurvedic model how beautiful and elegant the model is, and I love Western medicine. I do prescribe medications, but there's only so far you can go, and there's only so much you can understand about a process of pain through the Western model. So what Ayurveda allowed me to do is see this individual, this patient that was suffering with pain, and get to the root of why they suffered. So, for example, if someone came in complaining of right-sided headaches that were associated with nausea and light sensitivity, you know, in the Western model, you ask a very clear-cut set of questions. Is this pain disabling? Is it associated, yes, with nausea, light sensitivity? Is it, um, you know, one side of the head? Is it throbbing Mm -hmm. in nature? And if you said yes to those questions, you have a migraine headache. And it was very simplistic, you know, to some degree, because not everyone fit that Exact protocol. Not everyone fit that exact, you know, it's a recommendation of, of this is, this is what you need to have to have a migraine. And, and so what I found is a lot of patients were outliers. They were having neck pain. They were having digestive distress. They were getting frontal headaches. So what Arivada does, it will, it, it very simply describes and simple but yet elegantly describes pain location so and, and how the dosha imbalance presents in a certain part of the body. So, for example, a classic vata imbalanced individual will have more pain that's located in the neck region, the back of the head. It will be more tight and band-like in distribution. It will be more mild to moderate in severity, where the pitta-fire type imbalance will present Typically behind the eyes, because the eye is the location of the the Pitta Dosha, the seat of the Pitta Dosha, um, more in the um, temple location, usually there's nausea associated with it, and light sensitivity, where the kapha imbalance presents more in the front of the head, worsening with bending forward, more congestive in nature, and it presents more like a sinus headache. So suddenly I looked at these headaches and I said, wait, there's tension, there's migraine, there's sinus headache. And the Mm -hmm. tension headache protocol wasn't take a Tylenol. It was, hey, how about you get yourself to bed at 10 p.m. at night? And how about Mm -hmm. you stop saying yes to every single thing because you're too vata imbalanced and start eating warm and cooked foods? Yeah. So they had all these things I could recommend. The Pitta right. imbalance was cut down the spicy foods and make sure you have lunch every day. The Kapha imbalance was, hey, start exercising more and moving more, and start you know decreasing the milk and the dairy products because that's congesting for you. Mm-hmm. So that understanding of Ayurveda gave me an entire layer of approach outside of the pharmaceuticals to really help them get to that point of pain relief in a very holistic manner.
3: Right. What I love about the descriptions that you've given is you've really, you know, shown how it is a complementary. You know, Ayurveda is complementary. It's not replacing what mm-hmm. you can do. You know, from a Western medical perspective, um, and you know, as two physicians, two Western trained, you know, physicians, yeah, you know, I think we can both look at medicine and say it, it is amazing and it's incredible. You know what mm. uh, what Western medicine can do, and yet. Um, there is this area, as we talked about in the first segment, where people can feel not so great for quite a long time before they develop actually an abnormality that we can call a quote-unquote, you know, di- diagnose as a Western medical disease. Um, so, you know, what do we do for all those people? Like, what did I do in my frustration with all those people that I saw who were, you know, fatigued or just didn't feel good? They had malaise. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there really wasn't, there really wasn't much to offer. And so, it sounds like you've really, really incorporated all these tools your toolbox has gotten a lot bigger because you can you can do um, you can do all of the western medical things you know and um, because i'm sure that you know if someone would benefit from headache medication it's not like you don't give it to them but you talk about that also in terms of okay these are the other lifestyle types of changes that you know that you just outlined you know for for vata pitta and kapha
4: Absolutely Yes, it's so amazing to see this happening. In my 15 years of practice, this weekend I'm actually going to be a trainer at a pharmaceutical meeting training Western doctors on how to use a prescription for migraine. And the reason they've hired me to be the trainer for these brilliant Western medical doctors that have been doing headache medicine for far longer than I have, to be honest with you, is because the model is shifting, even in the Western world. They're starting to see that giving oral medications for migraineurs and as we know this, the gut is the origin of disease in Ayurveda, many oral medications don't make their way to the brain and if anything can worsen gastroparesis and the western data is showing now that there's this gastroparesis there's this weakening digestion in migraine and so now they're saying, well wait a second if that's happening, if the oral pill is not only not helping the attack of pain because it could be worsening the pain by increasing gastroparesis, how are we going to approach this migraine with the tools that we have? So now they have novel technologies and this is a technology that actually bypasses the gut, and it goes right Mm. to the brain. And Mm. and now I'm actually teaching Western doctors that the gut and brain are linked together because Ayurveda has said this thousands of years ago. It's beautiful to see that transition happening now where we see the pharmaceutical tools kind of following the Ayurvedic protocols that we've talked about. Bypass (laughs) gut. Don't harm gut, you know. (laughs) And it makes it nicer to practice that way.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, let's let's talk about let's touch down on this you know this idea of this powerful link between the gut and the brain that you really spent some time on in your book, um, and that that powerful link of the the gut brain link is often the key to discovering what is out of balance and obtaining uh, optimal health. That it exists in the digestive system, and as you've said, this is this is the root of Ayurveda. Yes. You know, is this yeah. idea of really looking like uh, like illnesses really arise? You know, from the digestive system. So, so in your experience, how does our digestive system impact our overall health?
4: What I've learned, and humbly humbly learned this, is it's it's the root of all <laughs> stress and digestion are the root of all uh, of of disease of your health. And I, as a Western doctor transitioning into Ayurveda. I did need to see proof. You know, I was doing the Ayurvedic training. I was hearing that the gut is the origin of disease, that all disease begins in the gut. And I, in my own practice, started doing food allergy testing. And my daughter was the first example of this. She started getting headaches, and I did some food allergy testing on her, and I found, oh, gosh, off the charts, dairy intolerance and gluten intolerance. I wrote about this in the book. of uh, This food allergy testing was just unbelievable. And I started testing my patients and published some studies on that and said, oh, my goodness, Everyone I see has digestive disturbance, and this is, I have proof, I have data in my clinic. It's not just something that's a proverb and a mantra for Ayurvedic medicine. I'm seeing this clinically. So as I studied that, as I started presenting to the Western world and seeing this in my own home with my daughter and started making the shifts of digestive health, putting her on triphala, started drinking cumin, coriander, fennel tea, started working on yoga and meditation and, and using yoga poses to help balance digestion, right? I started seeing shifts happen not only in myself and my family, but in my practice and my patients and in doctors who are using this model in their practice also. Mm-hmm. So the gut now is very clear. We see this everywhere, the microbiome. We see that this is a big project now. It's to figure out everyone's unique microbiome and how we need to maintain it and maintain those 100 trillion bacteria in harmony, right? We're seeing now data showing that LPS, lipopolysaccharide, lipopoly- this toxin, it's actually um, the, the, the coating of the gram-negative bacteria that when the bacteria... Mm -hmm. dies off, it's released into the bloodstream when someone has leaky gut syndrome, and how that Mm -hmm. LPS, if it's high in amount, it can actually increase the risk of cognitive brain disorder and potentially Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. disease. So we're seeing the Western literature support the Ayurvedic mantra, and we're now starting to see that the Western world is craving more information. How do you fix the gut? How do you balance the gut? Do pharmaceuticals impair the gut? And what should we do about that? It's, right. it's really great because this is a time we all need to be talking about this model to everyone we can and getting them trained on it and really working on this for ourselves and our family so we can help everyone around us.
1: Mm.
3: Oh, it's a great, it's a great image of, of, mm. you know, this, this approach, you know, really spreading within medicine because it does bring so many tools. I, I love the, you know, the, the mention of the a microbiome because it's been fascinating to me to really see how this is such a rapidly developing field and how mm. you know, the, the, it, it almost, like if you, we, if you'd mentioned it to someone probably, I don't know, 10 or 20 years ago, they would have just thought, oh, that's like science fiction. Uh-huh. Um, right. It's like, oh, how could, you know, intestinal bacteria have anything to do with anything. And now, as that that uh, uh, link that I send you, there's just new data coming up all the time. So there was a data, there was a study that showed that yeah. um, uh, multiple sclerosis patients, you know, had a different, you know, people um, had a different uh, microbiome. Um, and this idea of even doing fecal transplants, you know, yeah. <laughs> taking yeah. poop basically from a healthy person, you know, and right. transplanting it into someone who's ill, you know, and they're actually seeing some reversal of disease. So it, it's this huge frontier um, of really understanding and really breaks through this idea. I think you talk about this a bit in your book, you know, how there's a organ system approach, you know, within medicine. And so as a neurologist, you know, you were mostly trained in, you know, just the central nervous system, basically mm-hmm. like the brain. And, you know, you knew all about, you know, the brain, but there wasn't really mm-hmm. that much of an interdisciplinary or inter- uh, inter-organ system approach, you know, that you're talking about right now is realizing, wait a minute, you know, the brain is not like, you know, somehow by itself. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it is right. in the middle of a, you know, of a body that has all these other systems. And, you know, lo and behold, there is this huge impact, you know, between the different, you know, among the different organ systems. Absolutely, And that was what I was mentioning, humbling. It was humbling for me. You know, you come out
4: of training and you're so trained to be so good in your discipline. And as a specialist, think that all we need to know is the field of our specialty. If I'm a cardiologist, I'm just going to focus on the heart. If I'm a GI doctor, just the gut. If I'm a neurologist, just the brain. And the more you learn about Ayurveda and you learn about, you know, just, just this whole idea of the mind, the body, the emotions, and everything connecting together, you just have to surrender and say, wow. This is this entire connected system and one system affects the other and I get so many calls, for example, about, you know, individuals that have read a chapter in my book about thyroid and they say, oh my God, I want to come in and fix my thyroid. And, <laughs> and when they come in, you know, and I say to them, the thyroid is not operating by itself. <laughs> your thyroid gland is in harmony with your adrenal system, which is in harmony with your digestive system, which is in harmony with your mind. And if there's some aspect of that that is not in optimal harmony, then it's going to shift the other out of balance. So don't think me just giving you a thyroid man is going to fix the problem. Right. And it's it's really kind of humbling because we have to take a step back and look at it as a big system, but it's gratifying to know we have a model to use to get there. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've touched on, you know, this is also something that's different. You know, there, there is a kind of, uh, has grown along with this medical thing of, you know, come into the doctor and I'll give you a medication and I'll quote unquote fix you. Mm. Um, you know, um, you know, that we now have to shift back and say, you know, really there's so much that you need to do that I as your mm-hmm. physician can't do for you. So you've touched on food already. So let's talk a little bit more about that. So one of the mm. five observances or niyamas of Kriya yoga is cleanliness or Sauka and has to do with what we feed our bodies and minds. Um, and this is something, of course, that's shared in Ayurveda. I think most people are aware that, you know, that Ayurveda, um, has a lot to say about our diet. So in your experience, how ef- uh, effective are the dietary changes that you recommend to people in treating migraines and other symptoms?
4: So, so in, in the, Ayurvedic philosophy, as you know, being that the gut is the origin of disease and being that, you know, this concept of you know, let food be thy medicine, let medicine be thy food, right? We we really embrace the concept of using food, using botanicals, using natural God-given tools to help our system get into alignment, get into balance. So we're in the, if we're in those early stages of disease, that early accumulation stage, the early stages, we can honor the natural healing ability our body has and foods have to get us back into balance. And so what Ayurveda taught me was that as you start to become symptomatic, we can grab foods. We can use energetically balancing foods to help our body's imbalanced state. So simply, simple things. You know, not having cold and dry foods when you're in an excitable state. Having warm liquids. Having warm teas. Um, it's so powerful to be able to do that. So what I learned in my practice is that that was fundamental. But I will. I will tell you the truth that patients when they come in, they're not in those early stages in my medical practice. So very often, I will recommend diet. I'll have them the last page of my book. Actually, there's a cookbook, a 50-page cookbook that people can download if they if they purchase the book. And the reason I wrote that cookbook was because I really do want people to honor their food, eat the right way, and create some recipes that work for themselves. But I do realize that when you're in chronic severe pain or you're having chronic symptoms, you have to quiet down the system first, feel better emotionally, physically first, and then Maybe start adding the dietary changes in once you're ready to do that. Not everybody is ready right away. I would love to start that initially, but for a lot of patients, I'll just say, hey, can we just make sure we're getting lunch in every day? And then as they get better and as they feel better, can we make sure that lunch is warm and cooked? You know, I start to add the principles as we go along. But Mm I wholeheartedly believe that the diet is fundamental and needs to be a part of the program at some level. But how we introduce this based on where that individual is and where they're ready and if they're ready to go there.
3: No, absolutely. And I was just thinking back to the beginnings of Western medicine. And I think it was even, you know, among the things that Hippocrates said, you know, of, mm-hmm. you know, let, let, you know, um, food be thy medicine, yeah. you know, and, and medicine yeah. be thy food. You know, it's, yeah. it's that kind of idea, you know, was there from the very, you know, from the very beginning. I mean, food is very powerful. You know, it is building and rebuilding our bodies every day, which is why we need to eat. Right. Uh, right.
4: So, so it's not and really that which is amazing that food nourishes us it actually creates our our datus our our physical body we need to have good food coming in to nourish our physical body absolutely right
3: so um i'm assuming then you know when you when you treat migraine patients which are our headache patients which are probably the most you know um numerous patients that you see because you have a headache clinic. So do, are you seeing when people are making changes, um, obviously, you know, you. it seems like you've experienced some success. Do people have fewer episodes of migraines then when they're able to, you know, tackle some of these lifestyle factors like diet?
4: Yes, a lot of success. And what I'm actually finding, which is fascinating, is I started you know, my first, the first name of my clinic when I first started practicing was North Shore Headache Clinic. And I transitioned it to Zero Mind and Body because now I actually see a lot of patients with fatigue, mood issues, um, problems like ADD, digestive issues, and I'm actually starting to see a broader spectrum of individuals because what's happening is my migraineurs, yes, they're getting better and they're wanting to continue with me to work on different things, right? right. So once the migraines are better, then they want to work on things like their digestion or their skin disorders. And I have to preface it and say I'm a neurologist, but I'll continue to work ayurvedically with you and we kind of shift the practice a little bit more to coaching a little bit more to lifestyle shifts and I work more on their mind with them and we shift a little bit out of that traditional kind of western doctor role treating your migraines to that and it's unbelievable the the stories I have I and mean, we could be talking I, for the next two hours about the amazing testimonials with using the approach of balancing the mind balancing the emotions working on digestion just a few key supplements not a lot and really just working on yourself, right? Because like you said this earlier, it's so important. It's active participation on the patient's end. You know, I'm at the place in my practice now where I look at the patient and say, what does this pain mean for you? Why are you with the knowledge you have not getting better? You tell me what you need to do. Mm. And I'll just leave it at that. and I don't want to guide I don't want to tell you I mean I would love to be your coach and be there for you but for so many patients I feel like if I just step back and let them come to their own answers they have the answers within them they know what to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they really know what they need to do and we've got the tools out here to say here this is what you need to do just start doing it and why are you not you
3: know Right, but it is a different. It is a different relationship, you know. With a, you know, with a physician, you know, it really is a partnership, is what you're pointing to. You know, our people yeah, come in, and, and it's like, you know, as much as you care about them, um, and in my experience of meeting doctors, I mean, physicians really care, you know, about their patients mm-hmm. and really want the best for them. Um, but there are things that each individual needs to do that you know no doctor can do for you. You, know, you Absolutely. have to do it yourself. Absolutely. So we can we can motivate. You know we can point right the it. way. Um, but right when it. you know when the where the rubber meets the road, you know it really is a patient's responsibility. So, so let's yeah. turn to something you've mentioned a little bit. Uh, so two of the limbs in um, in. Kriya yoga, eight-limbed yoga are meditation and then physical postures are asana. So you recommend these two practices as another way to help us obtain balance in body and mind. So how do you incorporate meditation and asana into the treatment plan for your patients?
4: when each patient comes in and they've already done their doshic evaluation, they've understood a little bit about where they are, where they need to go, we start to incorporate the idea of self-care. And we incorporate the idea of how much time are they willing and able to dedicate each day. And within the self-care program, we recommend asanas, we recommend breath techniques, we recommend meditation. And sometimes, depending on how much time they have, we will allocate the amount of time that's spent in each of these disciplines. And for some individuals, quite honestly, with severe pain, they can't get into the physical postures. If they have back pain, leg pain, you know, they happen to have severe migraines, their adrenals are weak, they can't actually go through the sequence of postures. So we'll recommend doing the breath and doing meditation, but I'll be honest with them up front saying, right now you are in a disconnected state. Your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis has been disconnected in a, in, a, in a place where you have been on chronic fight or flight for so long trying to fight against this pain, and your body has gotten disconnected. Those adrenal glands are not communicating with the hypothalamus, which wants to turn them off, because your body has been imbalanced. So you have to reconnect that pathway so you can do that with these different modalities I want you to choose for me which one will work the best for you. So kind of Mm -hmm. ask them what they're Mm -hmm. most drawn to. And sometimes it's two minutes of reverse nostril breathing a day. Sometimes it's just getting up at 6 a.m. and watching the sunrise for five Mm -hmm. minutes in the morning and just thinking about the day and journaling what needs to be done. And sometimes it's working on some um, cognitive behavioral exercises. So, you know, what are those I should, I must, I have to phrases you use for yourself and how can we reframe that and shift that? So depending on the individual and where they want to go, We'll kind of pick a little something. I am a yoga fan. I'm a fanatic about yoga. I love yoga. So I always try to encourage everyone to do it in some fashion, some form. And yoga, as you've already mentioned, is not just the physical poses. It's working the mind, working your words, how you speak to yourself and speak to others, right? So so it's a whole discipline of that understanding of connecting with the spirit and how are we going to connect with that spirit? What are we going to use to connect with that bigger purpose for ourselves? So, so within that, it's really figuring out what can we we actively do, because remembering I have 20 minutes with each patient, where do I go with them, <laughs> and how quickly can I go there when I'm also I like. prescribing the pill and sometimes doing Botox injections and sometimes talking about their diet, right? <laughs> um, so it has to be quick and fast, right? right so, But then right. I lead them to your center and to other places, that which I love your center, and I say, you have to start exploring other places and get this information from someone besides myself, or, you know, right. go do some TM, or do something else that will really work for you, right? Right. Um, but, but that's the starting point. As I mention it, I dialogue with them. I give them some online, maybe YouTube places to go to learn some yoga poses or some classes to take that are local and then kind of see where they go. Uh, but, but it's, it's fundamental. It's fundamental on that first visit to go there with them because that's the only way we're going to make progress is if they're willing to go there. And I'll be honest, the patients that don't want to go that direction are the most difficult ones to treat. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know? So, um, so as we come to the last minute or two of the, you know, of the episode. So, what would be a simple step that someone could take today towards optimal health?
4: A simple, simple step, if it hasn't been done, is just to take a moment, just to take a moment and connect. Just take a moment, take a deep breath, and connect and connect with where you are and use whatever tool you need to use. I think Dosha Quiz is a great tool, and using your breath with that, and just saying, now that I've heard all this information, what am I most struggling with, and what's the meaning behind this struggle? Because there's always a meaning. There's always yeah. a, a reason for this. There's a there's a spiritual meaning for this. And let me connect with that and observe it and just try to understand it. And just start with that concept and let that answer come to you as to what you need to do. And then use those tools that you have around you to get you to get to that place of optimal healing. And it's not something sometimes you can do by yourself, so I'd encourage you to find others to help you on this journey. Uh, but it can be done. And the beauty is I have seen some cases where patients have been told that nobody can help me. I've had patients been told by the NIH that they are chronic and they'll never get better. I have a patient mm. that applied for this intractable disease kind of fund and was told you will never get better. And that individual was cured, completely mm. cured and wow. symptom-free with these protocols. So everyone can get to that place of healing. You just need to start to connect with yourself and allow yourself to make your way there.
3: Wow. So that's such a great little summary. Dr. Troupti Gokani, thank you so much for joining me on the Yoga Hour today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, well, thank you so much. It was so beautiful speaking with you. And I look forward to working more
4: with you and sending so many to your center because I so believe in all the work that you're doing.
3: Oh, that's great. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. We've been discussing, is optimal health possible for you? With special guest, Dr. Trupti Gokani, award-winning board-certified neurologist and author of the book, The Mysterious Mind, How to Use Ancient Wisdom and Modern Science to Heal Your Headaches and Reclaim Your Health. She's the founder of the Zira Mind and Body Center in Chicago, Illinois, and you can find out more about her work at the website ZiraMindAndBody.com. That's Z-I-R-A MindAndBody.com. Join us next week for another great uh, conversation about Ayurveda, self-care in every season with Ayurveda. Yogacharya Elena O-B- Grace O'Brien will be joined by guest Kate O'Donnell, author of The Everyday Ayurveda Cookbook, A Seasonal Guide to Eating and Living Well. And they're going to discuss how to make easy, scrumptious meals to nourish your body, as well as some lifestyle advice to live consciously in each season. Live the Eternal Way, a spiritual training course, will be offered on six Tuesdays from September 20th to October 25th, both on-site at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, and also online, so you can access it from anywhere. For more information, click the button on the homepage at csecenter.org. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Again, the website is csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, including... Uh, Regular host, founder, and director, Yogacharya O'Brien. The two assistant producers, Nita Kenyon and Ann Hayes, as well as Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at Unity Online Radio. (laughs) I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now.
2: Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
5: The Voice of an Awakening World. With all the
2: paths open to us, it's easy to feel lost sometimes. Although the darkness of doubt and confusion may make the best choices difficult to see, there is within each of us a light that helps to illumine our way. When I stop and let inner peace be my guide, I am surely led to good, no matter what the circumstance. The peace I feel within myself paves any path I'm on, making even the roughest roads more manageable. I've heard that it's not so much the destination that matters as the journey itself. So in the midst of deciding which way to go in life, I go within. Wherever I turn, the
5: signs all point to peace. Peace can begin with me.
0: To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org.